The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4269 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world, albeit a visual world in which what you see is almost certainly being manipulated to make you think it's something different to what it actually is. I am Andy Zaltzman, and I'm sitting in a shed after working for the past five days at a volcanically tempestuous cricket match between England and Australia. One of the most controversial games in the long rivalry between these two nations. So who better to drag me back into something approaching reality and help bring me up to date with what is happening in the parallel universe that isn't all about people trying to hit a small ball with a medium-sized stick than someone from America, a nation that spurned humanity's greatest invention from its sporting repertoire for whatever f***ing reason, and someone from Australia who, for whatever f***ing reason, doesn't give a flying f*** about cricket. Please welcome Josh Godelman and Tom Ballard. Uh, welcome to the Bugle, both of you. How, how are you both? Oh, look, okay, I'm doing fine. I just want to say it wasn't my decision to spurn <laughs> cricket, okay? I'll take any sport that I can watch at night before I go to bed, after my wife is asleep, to stop me from thinking thoughts. You're <laughs> <laughs> very much on my uh, wavelength, Josh. I'm doing well, Andy. Australia sent me onto this podcast to officially apologise and explain everything that happened with the stumping foul, I, the the um, out of bounds offside that we did, and uh, I'm sorry or you're welcome. Whatever I did. <laughs> Um, we did cover this in some depth on uh, today's uh, Bugle Ashes Zoltz cast. We will try to keep this Bugle a relatively cricket-free zone. I have, sorry, I just have yet to get that one in my ears. I'm sorry, but I will as soon as we finish here. That is right, absolutely top of my list. Um, uh, Josh, your uh, summer has been what you were saying busier and less busy in different ways uh, due to the the writers' strike. Can you bring us up to date with? Well, what's what's been happening with it? And uh, sure, so yeah. I've walked in uh, probably I've said a personal best for circles walked in uh, <laughs> one week category. We are on strike. The Writers Guild of America waiting for the big studios to come back to the table with a serious proposal. But right now, you're catching me in kind of a liminal space in my <laughs> life and career because I was unemployed. And then was on strike, which seems like it should make me more unemployed. But instead, I got much busier fighting for the righteous cause. But right now, it's a holiday. So I'm on a break from being on strike from being unemployed. So this is quite a day that you found me on. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're out there. We're striking. It's, I think, day 61 and back on the picket lines on Wednesday. Right. And, and I believe um, you've written no jokes for this edition of The Bugle. Is that right, Josh? You're on strike. That, well, that's just and- my tradition. <laughs> that's kind of the Gondelman promise. <laughs> we are recording on the 3rd of July, 2023. On this day in 1913, there was the Great Reunion um, at which Confederate veterans and Union veterans from the American Civil War uh, met at Gettysburg. Um, they reenacted. Uh, part of the battle, and then met each other with outstretched hands of friendship. Um, and Woodrow Wilson, the president at the time, said, We have found one another again as brothers and comrades in arms, enemies no longer, generous friends rather, our battles long past, the quarrel forgotten, except that we shall not forget the splendid valour. And America has lived happily ever after, <laughs> ever since, in perfect harmony, tolerance, and mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, it's a, I was just I've not. I don't think I'd read about this before, Josh. I don't, was this a famous occurrence? Have you heard? You heard of this? This great I union not, fifty years after. I know that there's other Civil War reenactments, but I didn't know there was one that was with the soldiers themselves, which I think feels a little bit like uh, our side rubbing it in. <laughs> 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 kind of an uncivil thing to do. TV. It's. I mean, it makes me feel like when I'm watching an, an unrelated sporting event and I see the ball bounce through Bill Buckner's legs in 1986, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great, a, a, a World Series reenactment. Thank, thank goodness the Mets fans are getting to enjoy this again. <laughs> All the um, reverted reenactments, they lost the magic. you got to get the original cast together, like the original <laughs> OG first ones. It's always had a little something-something that you can never quite recreate, I think. Uh, but it's a it's a wonderful example of uh, of yeah I, I guess rapprochement and uh, a mutual understanding and therefore in December 2052 I will have a reenactment of my gig at the comedy store in Manchester uh, from 2002 and we will hopefully reach out hands of friendship across the divide uh, on the 4th of July 1803 well another key moment in American history the Louisiana Purchase was announced to the American people. Two million square kilometres of prime North American real estate sold off by France to the USA for the bargain basement price of $15 million, which today would buy you a small fleet of high-end electric cars or a mid-to-low-range backup defensive midfielder coming to the end of his career. Times have changed. <laughs> um, on the minor side, though, it did include Nebraska. So, I mean, good deal or bad deal, you be the judge. Um, LAUGHTER I guess one of the slight issues with it was that m most of the land involved didn't actually belong to France. Mm. But in the grand tradition of uh, Western imperial powers, um, everyone just assumed the local po uh, native population wouldn't mind, and they certainly didn't get a chance to make a counterbid for the land they already owned. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, sensational piece of... I mean, history is just full of... Um, <laughs> as... Uh, as always, a sex. <laughs> Maybe that could be another a bugle spin-off podcast. History is full of. Um, uh, as always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin this week. Construct your own pointless radio phone-in. If there's not enough uh, division in your world, uh, just um, build your own radio phone-in with needlessly oppositional arguments to the following questions: Why do clouds always move from left to right? <laughs> Are giraffes as tall as all that? Who would have won the Football World Cup if it had been played in the year 1362? Was Shakespeare's Hamlet really rock star Buddy Holly? Is air good for you? If you're looking west, how do you know east still exists? What's green and squishy? Why were rainbows illegal in Bolivia in the 1980s? And if King Charles was a spaniel, would our banknotes bark? Uh, do construct your own arguments about those and broadcast them into your own heads. So that section in the bin. Is air good for you has been actually a pretty hot topic around here <laughs> lately. <Yeah. laughs> Top story this week. What in the world is going on out there? Um, which were questions <laughs> asked by many commentators at the cricket this week. But more importantly, what is actually happening, it, not only in the world, but to the world physically? Because for years now, we've relied on the assumption that the planet will keep turning, and keep turning in the way that it has turned for as long as many of us can remember. I'm 48 years old, and the world has just been quietly going about its rotational business, certainly since I was a kid, and arguably for billions of years before that too. But now, there are signs that uh, the Earth has got bored as a planet and wants to try something a bit new and a bit different, because scientists 
have discovered that the planet's rotational axis has gone walkabout. It was heading slowly south towards Canada. Now it's heading east for whatever reason. Uh, do look out if you're east of where you are when you're listening to this. You could confront a confused-looking rotational axis. Do not attempt to talk to it, stop it, or rotate it the other way. Call the authorities and try to soothe it with song. Um, Josh, what's essentially simply happening here, and you know, as you said, you're a big sports fan, is... Mm-hmm that the earth has put spin on itself so is our planet just becoming a literal curveball yeah i mean this i knew this was happening i don't mean to pat myself on the back last night i did some karaoke with some friends and to celebrate the holiday weekend and i came out of that karaoke place feeling a little woozy uh after having several drinks and i thought to myself you know what i bet the earth is rotating differently than it used to be (laughs) And, and you know what? My hunch was absolutely correct. This is the prophecy that Missy Elliott foretold. Uh, the Big Bang was essentially putting that thing down. And now, uh, you know, millions of years later, the Earth is flipping it and reversing it. <laughs> I, think, I think the change is good news. That's right. what um, I, I think ultimately that's the headline here. This is good news. The Earth is trying to Superman to itself by <laughs> turning the wrong way, sending itself back in time, giving oh. us a do-over on the havoc we've wreaked on the climate. <laughs> Oh, th- well, thank you for bringing that positive, positive side. I hadn't of course, of it this is what I bring to the bugle. Yeah. Uh, Tom, are you, uh, are you excited by this, this whole new planet that we'll soon be living on, where I assume Australia will end up um, somewhere just off the, the new coast of the Czech Republic? <laughs> All right, we're going to shift around as well. <laughs> uh, I'm not excited, Andy. Right. I think this is a, another blow for the sensible centre. <laughs> not even planet Earth's axis is prepared to maintain a moderate position. It's a disgrace. Everything's changing. <laughs> Back in my day, men were men, women were women, Pluto was a planet, and you knew where Earth's f***ing axis was. <laughs> now the Queen's dead, everyone's transgender, and the planet's ability to spin has been destroyed by cultural Marxism. It's a f***ing <laughs> disgrace, Andy Zaltzman. Well, there you go. They- We've presented both views, and <laughs> you, the listener, can decide. <laughs> they have talked um, about this drifting axis, and actually, drifting axis is my favourite and most complicated sex move. So we're going to article about that, I Family show. Um, so, I mean, essentially, what, what's happened, and you know, I don't understand things like this because they involve complicated science, and, and I stopped paying attention to that when I was 16. Um, but the, apparently, the, part of it's been caused by the polar ice caps melting, despite us mm-hmm. repeatedly and politely asking them not to. Uh, also, due to water being pumped out of the ground for farming and domestic use, and this shifting of water has unbalanced the entire planet. Um, and as I said, it was heading to Canada, the rotational axis, but then thought, nah. Uh, I mean, what about Canada do you think has put put the, the Earth's axis, rotational axis, off from going there? Is it is it an, an excess of ice hockey or a, a, a confusion of moose? Oh, that's a good question. I feel yeah. like you, it hit the border and then just realised, like, Ah, like this is going to be a hassle getting in. <laughs> That's what they're like. We'll head out towards international waters, or we can rotate any way we want. Yeah, maybe, maybe they looked up at the um, Just for Last Montreal Comedy Festival lineup and saw that Tom Ballard is there heading there with his <laughs> hit new show in his eye, and it said not for me. It popped off the other way. Oh, there you go. It's good to get the plugs in early. We can save time at the end of the show, Tom. That's good. Um, uh, yeah, so the article that, that, that uh, I read, you know, I went a maximum of half an article deep on this. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was that fine patterns and variations in the planet spin uh, are worrying because they have an impact on the sat-nav si- systems that guide 
map apps that we, we depend on to know mm. not only where we're going but whether we still exist aeroplanes <laughs> that that's a slight confusion if you've booked a holiday and you want to be able to trust the earth rotational axis that you're going to end up in uh, you know spain rather than moscow um uh, and also it can affect missiles that is a wake-up call for me when the, the the earth's rotational axis shifting might send a missile to the wrong place i think now we need to take this we need to take this seriously yeah i'll be damned if we here in melbourne are going to get hit with a missile from russia or china that was intended for perth or because the planet's surface was wobbling all over the joint like an atlas on the top of a f-ing washing machine <laughs> i just think that the the idea that um you know these apple like the maps i'll start again i also think the idea that um map apps aren't working properly like blaming that on the earth's wandering axis that really sounds like a bullshit excuse cooked up by apple maps to justify how terrible they were <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm worried about this missile thing. It really calls into question uh, the whole idea of missiles, right? Where if if you're like, oh, the Earth's rotation that that changed where the missiles going to say, well, the Earth is always rotating in some place. Maybe we gotta put these things down, and just drive it over to where you want it to go or something. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons blamed is apparently that the Earth is still recovering from the last ice age, and it's bouncing back into shape, which is causing Sam. causing. I mean. Do you not think it's time for the Earth to just get over it? I mean, we we seven years after Brexit, we've moved on as a nation here in the United Kingdom. We're f***ing fine. We're not still f***ing furious with each other over it. You don't have to try to bounce back after the ice. Like, I, I've been... It's 2021, I got vaccinated, started going outside, and I thought, you know, maybe my, my body will snap back to its pre-pandemic size and shape. Nope. I just need bigger T-shirts. <laughs> Maybe the Earth just needs a bigger T-shirt. I didn't realize how messed up the Earth was. This is this is a New York Times article that we were, we were reading, and it, it said, You can't feel it, but our planet's rotation is nowhere near as smooth as that of the globe on your desk. As it moves through space, Earth wobbles like a poorly thrown frisbee. It's like, it's not looking good for the whole intelligent design thing, I think. <laughs> Apparently, if God does exist, he's shit at frisbee, and he was too lazy to finish the platypus. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> And the idea of who the New York Times presumes is reading these, this newspaper to be like, you know, it's not like the globe on your desk. The globe you all have sitting on your desk. As if you're planning which uh, nation to take over or mapping out where you own property. It's like, that's who we think is reading this newspaper. It's uneven, like the top of your pith helmet, you know? It's as um, chaotic as the waters your yacht is sailing across <laughs> right now. <laughs> Moving on from the physical state of the world to what's happening in and on it. Let me just see what's happening in the... Oh, can we just ignore what appears to be the outbreak of war in the Middle East? Uh, yes, let's just ignore that. Uh, let's <laughs> ignore that and move on instead to happier stories such as the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, um, Josh, the, the Supreme Court rulings crop up intermittently on uh, on this show. I was reading an article by a, an Al Jazeera columnist, Belen Fernandez, uh, who wrote this line, It's that time of year again when the United States Supreme Court ruins everyone's summer with its sociopathic rulings. <laughs> and it's... Uh, it's 
<laughs> Which is a lovely line. It's, I mean, it's quite hard to, to, to add to that. Can you just fill us in on exactly what sure. this crazy well, institution is, has been doing? Technically, that is a facet of Hot Girl Summer, <laughs> is the Supreme <laughs> Court absolutely tearing apart civil liberties and making things worse. So we had we had a flurry of rulings last week, um, which is the worst combination in a Dairy Queen blizzard <laughs> rulings. But the... Um, Last week, the Supreme Court ruled... There are a couple that kind of feel like they really go together. They, The Supreme Court ruled against affirmative action in many ways, including by race, but still allows legacy admissions, as many pointed out. And the court struck down President Biden's plan to forgive student loan debt. So I've come up with a compromise. I, that's what I've been spending the last week doing, which is legacy admissions can still get into elite universities, but they then have to pay off everyone else's student loans. Your dad's <laughs> money got you into college and it's going to get everyone else out of debt. It's only fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's, the way to, that's a nice way to do it. The court also ruled in favor of a web designer who didn't want to make a website for gay weddings. Although a designer refusing to work with gay weddings is a pretty clear sign they have a terrible sense of aesthetics, right? <laughs> Who wants a homophobic wedding website developer? What do those websites look like? Camo print background, barbed wire tattoo border? <laughs> Fortunately, there is a sensible way to appeal. If you disagree with the decision of any Supreme Court justice, you can simply offer them a ride on your private jet to a lavish hunting retreat and discuss the matter with them there. Although, if you own a private jet, you're definitely convinced that we live in a meritocracy, don't have student loans, and think the jetless among us can get <laughs> Now, I read that some have said the Supreme Court has been, quotes, bending rules in favour of the already privileged. So... Is this a rare example of a major political institution doing exactly what it was set up to do? I mean, <laughs> look, this is its founding principle, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 nine people with it's essentially eighteen thumbs on the scale. If that's how it, that's the ideal way I think it would have worked out for the founding fathers is the full eighteen thumbs. We've got we had some dissent. Justice uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson. Uh, voiced a really strong dissent in the affirmative action case, and then some have pointed out that uh, this is kind of, this is exactly what you're talking about. The web designer in question did not even get a request to design a website for a gay wedding. <laughs> yes. They were just hypothetically so upset at the idea of having to put. Uh, Rich and Mike on top of a wedding website <laughs> that they took it all the way to the Supreme Court. Well, this is t t typical, isn't it, of anything to do with with same sex marriage, and we've we've seen it. Uh, and I'm, I know, uh, Tom, that Australia legalised same sex marriage after the United Kingdom, and when you're being beaten by the United Kingdom in an, a race to do with social liberalism. You've got to take a long, hard bath with yourself as a nation. But the people who always seem angriest about the idea of of, uh, of same-sex weddings are, are always the people least likely ever to be invited to one, it seems. Is it, is it just basic, <laughs> basic jealousy? Yeah, I think they just, you know, they're worried they're not going to be involved in the party. But I, look, I respect this lady. That That is taking homophobia seriously. <laughs> Awkward! <laughs> but... Uh, 
I guess the struggle for freedom continues. For any people who want to get into you know, colleges in the US, the Supreme Court has consistently ruled in favour of gun rights. So when you go in for your interview for Harvard, I say, just take a gun, and then they won't see race at all. Okay? <laughs> They'll just be considering about some other things that might influence their decision. That's just, that's just my solution for these problems. That's what I offer, Andy, solutions. Do you think now, I mean, looking at all this, uh, Josh, and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez said these are the type of rulings that signal a dangerous creep towards authoritarianism and centralisation of power in in the court. I mean, who says politicians can't get things done? Uh, and also, I'm not sure the whole, she's right. Creep makes it sound like there's an element of sneaky subterfuge and not wanting to be seen. This is an overt prance towards authoritarianism. Um, singing, I, think dis- I am what dis- I am, essentially. Disturbing creep, I do think... Um, was just maybe a description of Justice Clarence Thomas or Justice Brett Kavanaugh. There are a couple disturbing creeps on the on the court right but now. Is it starting to look like entrusting key legal rulings to a small group of people who are selected for life by a person who might be as mad, bad, and dangerous to know as Donald Trump, or even worse, Donald Trump himself? Is that an idea <laughs> fraught with risk for whatever reason? No, look, I think, like many Americans do, that our founding fathers are infallible, and the decisions that they made uh, 250 years ago, that's that's relevant to modern life and shouldn't be revisited. <laughs> I, uh, I do think, no, I think you're right. I think we've got to check our balances because we have sincerely wrecked our balances. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the president, Joe Biden, he seems to think it's like an aberration, and uh, he describes the current Supreme Court as not a normal court, which seems quite bitchy to me. Like, Supreme Court, why are you so weird? You're such a freak. Like, just give people rights, you f***ing weirdo. Oh, my God. This, but that is, that is like, yeah, yeah, President Biden, it is not a normal court. It's A normal court isn't nine infinitely powerful wizards. <laughs> And obviously, I should acknowledge that in Britain today, we're not in a great position to bang on about allowing one generation to vote on something that largely only affects their successors. Um, but anyway, uh, the point has been made. <laughs> Moving on to Australia, uh, Tom. Uh, now, as we in Britain all know, your country, Australia, was discovered by Captain Cook in the 18th century when he single-handedly, on behalf of human civilization, built a modern nation founded on the complete eradication of worries and the level of tolerance for the mullet beyond all rational comprehension. <laughs> but some people are now claiming that there might have been people in Australia before Cook and the Brits turned up and turned an, weight, uh, an arid wasteland into a hotbed of sporting excellence. Is there any truth in this rumour? And I understand the woke are trying to blast through some legislation that means that your parliament may have to at least pretend to pay attention to these people who claim they were there first. Yes, look, it's a radical new theory um, that is being thrown around. There, a new reading of Australian history, a history that can probably best summed up with the words yoink and the sound shh. <laughs> 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 but we have basically come together as a country after a very long, painful process, and they've come up with this idea... First Nations people got together and said, hey, it might be nice to have this little voice put into the Constitution that is made of First Nations people, elected by First Nations people to tell government and the Parliament how best to approach the problems that affect us from all the yoinking and the shushing. So later this year, we're going to have a referendum to change the Constitution to uh, see whether that 
um, body should be enshrined in the Constitution, a First Nations voice to Parliament. They've just passed the legislation through the Australian Parliament and between October and December at the end of this year, Australia will go to the polls and vote either yes or no. And yes, I agree, I am the perfect person to be talking about this. A middle class <laughs> white guy. Don't worry, everyone. I will be weighing into this debate. It's what my people do. Okay, it's part of my culture. That's a form of truth telling, but from a place of ignorance. Okay, that's what we do. Um, I do have an Aboriginal boyfriend. My my boyfriend Harley is a Waka Waka man. He's an Aboriginal man, and he is my gay Aboriginal boyfriend. I have a gay Aboriginal boyfriend, and that doesn't make me better than you, but it also does. In a way. And if you don't have a gay original boyfriend, two words, do better. Okay? <laughs> you say you're focused on Black Lives Matter. I'm focused on black and white coming together every single day. Um, he is not exactly across all the details of the debate, though. The other day I asked my boyfriend, what do you think about this voice thing? And he said, oh, are they still making that show? So it's still... <laughs> <laughs> going to take a little while for all the details to permeate uh, the full culture. But the debate is on. The campaign is happening and Australia is asking itself yes or no later this year, Andy. It's very exciting. And and what are the, the sort of main arguments for and against that have been put by the various uh, argumentees? Uh, I would sum it up like this. Yes says, come on, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and no says... Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that lays out all the sort of nuance involved. Look, there are people on the left who I'm sympathetic to who sort of say it's just an advisory body. It won't have any kind of veto power, won't be able to overrule parliament. It actually doesn't give enough power to First Nations people to assert their sovereignty over their own country. But there are people on the right who are saying we're all equal and everything's fine and this would be terrible. And the No campaign has started up in earnest. It features all... The figures from the Australian right, they've all got together in one big team to mount this campaign. They're basically the <laughs> Avengers. And uh, they've, they've hit the headlines <laughs> trying to let us know exactly why um, why this would be a terrible idea. The leader of our Conservative Liberal Party, Peter Dutton, has said that the voice will permanently divide Australia by race and will re-racialise the Australian constitution, which kind of implies that at some point it was de-racialised, <laughs> which I, I think I must have missed... That part. Our constitution still has section 25, which allows for states in Australia to ban certain races from voting. And actually, Andy, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, and you have a list of races that you would like to deny the right to vote. Can you just write, what were they again? I'm sorry, I, 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 you, there were so many of them, I couldn't write them all down before. It sounded like he was reciting, we didn't start the fire with just nationalities and ethnicities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty messed up. Hopefully, Chris was recording that. Well, we should be able to put that into the bonus. <laughs> well, we'll put it was nice that he made it rhyme. Yep, we'll put it out as an extra yeah, podcast someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, the No Campaign features some pretty interesting people from the Australian right. A guy called Gary Johns uh, at a No Campaign event a few months ago suggested that intermarrying between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples was proof that reconciliation had been achieved and therefore we didn't need the voice. Yes, because people who are married to each other never fight or have any issues getting along whatsoever. Um, Former Deputy PM uh, Barnaby Joyce, too, who's in the Nationals Party, he was quoted as saying, quite obviously, if someone gets more rights because of their race, then someone else is gets less rights because of the colour of the skin or their race. Which is a very offensive sentence, both morally and grammatically. <laughs> I'll give you a sense 
of exactly you know where the intellectual debate is at, I suppose. Well, I guess if you're going to say something offensive, if you say it so incomprehensibly badly, it, it, it just <laughs> knocks the top of it, doesn't it? Makes it a bit little more tolerable. <laughs> you can't get me in trouble for this opinion because you can't prove what it is. <laughs> In other Australian news, um, well, exciting news uh, for fans of, um, well, importing toxic substances to Australia. Uh, Australia's (laughs) Australia's trying trying to set it up as a a world leader for the international trade of uh, carbon pollution. A report from the Global uh, Carbon Capture and Storage Institute last year found that Australia could be, quote, an anchor nation. For this trade, I think I heard the crowd at Lords supporting that view of uh, Australia yesterday. I couldn't hear exactly what they were saying, <laughs> but it sounded very, very similar uh, indeed. I mean, you you must be very proud, Tom, that that your country could become one of the great nations in the world for storing toxic substances under the sea. You are an anchor. <laughs> um, yes, I am very excited because we're one of the world's biggest exporters of fossil fuel emissions, right? That means that we get a ri- rid of a lot of our emissions. We we lose a lot of homegrown, true blue, dinky dye Australian <laughs> emissions and we send them overseas. So we really want to get more emissions back in Australia to serve the local emissions industries and just to support small emissions businesses and just to remind us how much we love emissions. So we bring them in from Japan and Korea. Uh, who really make some of the best emissions in the world, in my personal opinion. And we're going to take those emissions and bury them in carbon and capture storage projects in local Australian waters underneath the sea. What could possibly, possibly go wrong? If nothing else, we will get a Godzilla movie out of this. I'm sure. But so that- we're basically becoming the storage king for the world's emissions. It's pretty exciting. Send us your uh, all your emissions. We'll take them from anywhere. We just signed the contract for American Farts. They're all now <laughs> going to be coming to Australia, which is great. And all the hot air coming out of British Parliament is going to be pipelined directly. <laughs> oh, oh, that is <gasps> that is a hell of a burn. Oh, um, uh, so the the um, restrictions were imposed uh, around about fifty years ago. Um, under a piece of, uh, well, an agreement known as the London Protocol. Now, I'd always assume the London Protocol were, were the unwritten rules by which we in London agree never to acknowledge the existence of another human being whilst travelling on public transport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that it's something to do with exporting um, car- carbon uh, carbon pollution, carbon capture and, and storage. I'm a bit sceptical. I don't want carbon captured and stored. I want to see carbon captured, tried in a court of law, and then fired into space as a warning to all the other chemical elements that want to destroy our way of life. Um, uh, Josh, have you ever imported any large amounts of um, of, um, of of pollution yourself? <laughs> well, look, I I will say the amount of ice cream I eat as a uh, as an adult isn't personally lethal, but it is alarmingly close to the amount of ice cream. I thought I would eat as an adult when I was a child, which (laughs) that does contribute a fair amount to greenhouse gas emissions. I think this is a bold move because when we talk about cap and trade, right, capping the amount of uh, carbon you produce trading for offsets, what we don't talk enough about is someone has to trade for that carbon, right? If you're trading it away, someone's taking that carbon on. So I think this answers that question. I also think an undersea carbon retention facility is going to give us one hell of an episode of storage wars several years from now. <laughs> when they open that puppy up, I think people are going to be blown away. <laughs> but maybe this will give billionaires a new uh, 
you know, kind of historical technological site to visit in their submersibles. (laughs) 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 Strange times. Strange times. That story feels like it was 75 years ago and it was like nine (laughs) days. (laughs) Brazil news now. And, well, bad news of people... um, uh, and I know many of our Bugle listeners are huge fans of Jair Bolsonaro and are just <laughs> waiting for the day in which he, he comes back to finish the job he started so heroically. But unfortunately, judges in Brazil have banned Bolsonaro from running for office for eight years over, quotes appalling lies that he told during the, uh, the presidential election. Now, I'm very concerned about this as a, de- as a democracy fan because, you know, when a candidate for high office is not allowed to peddle deceit and mislead his electorate. What will our democracy have become? What about the many millions of people who want to vote for someone who will lie to them? Yeah, because as voters, we want the world to be as we want it to be, not as it is. And we should be free to vote for politicians who can delude us, who can safeguard our prejudices, and who can nurture our delusions. And Bolsonaro is being banned from doing this by the woke legislature of Brazil. Um, eight years, quite a long back. I'm sorry, I, that... I haven't done this show for a little while. When did we do the hard right? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I forgot to update you on that. Yeah. So we had, a, we had a word with the advertisers. Do we have any advertisers? No. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, you know, you've got to go where the money is. Um, eight years. He's trying been... to siphon off those Rogan listeners. <laughs> There's got to be some crossover on the Venn diagram, hasn't there? We've got to... <laughs> Um, eight years he's been uh, he's been banned for, which I think works out at around 0.43 seconds per lie that uh, he's told uh, during his political life. Um, uh, I mean, this is uh, I don't know if this means that we will maybe get a chance to vote for Bolsonaro in our countries if if he will be able to because this is a, only a ban for Brazil. He could right. come over here and apply to be you know the new Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom because Boris Johnson has been forced to step down as Boris Johnson here uh, in London. He, he could be running in the American presidential campaign next year, or, or, or even, um, you know, he could, I don't, I don't know if he'd bother, but I mean, he could become leader of Australia, Tom. Well, I mean, he'd be very welcome. He's got some fresh thinking. We'd be excited. Um, surely the Tories need to go through three more prime ministers before the next election. Surely there's a few <laughs> they could get involved with in the UK. But yeah. he, he's allowed to run again in Brazil when he's t- 75 in the year 2030. So he'll just be a spring chicken there. That's a, that's, that's a little baby in, in terms of president years where the, uh, the US is concerned. So Oh, yeah. I, I mean, in, in the context of Joe Biden, people, he, people here are thinking, well, let him get some experience first. Have him live a little. <laughs> 75, you're going to run a whole country? Maybe start with a lemonade stand. Whipper snapper. <laughs> I think it's great that the judiciary could just give you a time out for, run, for running for <laughs> office, just because you were you were naughty and you like you weren't taking the class seriously. I think that's, that's <laughs> awesome. So um, I know we've we've shed a lot on the Supreme Court and the judiciary and unelected to old people, but if they if they're going to act like actual you know grandparents, I suppose, and say cut it out, enough mucking around, right? <laughs> Sit in the naughty corner for eight years, Jaya, until you come back, you know what the truth is. I'd probably be much more uh, yep. amenable to their message. Yep. And no screen time. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate punishment. Um, mm-hmm. We we had our prime minister in the test match special commentary box this weekend. He came in to do the uh, the, the 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 Saturday lunchtime interview. Um, 
and I had to escape the room as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I don't know if he... Uh, he's quite a big cricket fan, which, uh, as indeed were his two immediate predecessors, which is slightly concerning. Makes me think I might have chosen the wrong path in life. <laughs> um, Hang on, a super-rich conservative f- likes cricket? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's the sport of the people. Uh, <laughs> and Andy, were you including Liz Trust in that list, or like many oh, people, so had no, you forgotten she'd I even... I completely <laughs> forgotten. No, it, was, it was Theresa May and, uh, and Johnson. No, I, I had forgotten Liz Trust. Oh, Do we know her stance on cricket, or was she truly not... Prime Minister long enough that we know any of her opinions on things. No, I don't think... Yeah, I mean, I can assume she was wrong about that as she's wrong about everything else, but, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows. Food news now, and, well, we all eat food. It's just one of the things that we have to do in life, for whatever reason. Um, But the future of food could be very, very different. According to a report, we could could have hyper-personalised diets bespoke to our individual nutritional needs and artificial intelligence could enable us to taste our takeaways virtually before we order them which (laughs) bearing in mind the quality of some of the takeaways near where i live in south london could bankrupt the takeaway industry (laughs) overnight um there's also uh, some tech being developed called breath tech which apparently gives a deep level of insight into the foods you should be eating i mean we already have breath tech essentially to give us that kind of advice that you should avoid mackerel and garlic um so i don't know why <laughs> we need tech to do that as well uh, this technology could examine your personal psychology and tell you what food so now for me this is good news because we have too much choice in food uh, these days, certainly in, in, in London, there's you know, hundreds and hundreds of options, um, same in, in New York and, and Melbourne, um, and I would love some piece of technology that tells me that I'm the kind of person that should order a Scandinavian red curry with gluten-free ethical ferret meat and a side order of Radovan's carrot sticks from a local despot-themed vegan restaurant and some uh, chocolate and platypus marshmallows for dessert. I'd love to have that difficult choice taken out of my hands and, and free myself up. Uh, for more, for writing my next right-wing rant for the bugle. <laughs> um, I mean, d- d- are you excited by this this future of food, where you know basically our thoughts will be subliminally read and food will be presumably downloaded directly into our gullets? We already have this. It's the brain. The brain tells us what food we want to eat, and then we go eat that food. It's a really good system. It's been working for ages. Yeah, I have a couple problems with this. Number one, they're saying like this technology, right, for a, a personally specific diet is on the horizon. That's not true. I'm already doing this. The other night, I put hot sauce on some cold leftover pasta and kind of picked it with my fingers and dropped it directly into my mouth. Uh, and I can say with full confidence, there's nobody out there eating like me. That is an individualized <laughs> diet. There's nobody else doing that that night. And Does not I compute. Can... Does not compute. <laughs> yeah, take that, robot. Artificial intelligence doesn't have shit on me. Slightly buzzed coming home from a comedy show. <laughs> I can imagine that even with slight personal variations, this is the thing that really gets me. There's slight personal variations, right? Of course, person to person. These diets will be largely fairly similar it'll be a lot of like fresh vegetables lean proteins some whole grains although it would be amazing to be the one person on earth 
whose robot doctor is like, well, we've run the tests and we're putting you on a strict regimen of Cheetos and ice cream. And <laughs> we've actually got you on a Mountain Dew IV right now. Good thing you caught this when you did. You could have died without this. I, I especially, though, I especially hate the idea of tasting your takeout before it arrives. The best part of the day when you order takeout is anticipating the takeout. And to take that away from us to just be like here's what it is before it even arrives that what are we living for <laughs> what are we doing finally some stupid auction news um we do like to keep our listeners up to date with some of the stupidest things humans have spent money on and uh, at auction uh, in the last week or so a handbag has been sold for £50,000, which sounds ridiculous enough in itself. But this handbag is smaller than a grain of salt. It is a microscopic handbag, and someone has paid US dollars for it. Uh, it is another entry in the list of things future generations will find out about us and come to the conclusion that we f***ing deserved everything we got as a species. £50,000 for a handbag so small you'd probably need to spend several million pounds developing a microscopic dog to carry around in it. What, what <laughs> have we become as a species? I mean, is this, I mean, this has got to be one of the most ludicrous... Have you ever bought anything that ridiculous at an auction, either of you? Well, this, the idea that it was sold at auction is what's really special to me, because it means there was somebody that was willing to pay 45,000 pounds for it, and someone else that said, no... I must have this handbag. I need a way to carry around my one quarter of one grain of salt. <laughs> and it's simply getting lost in my normal-sized handbags so far. Um, it's this has seven- to be the worst wedding anniversary gift of all time. <laughs> Just a, a husband going, no, honey, I got you something really special. Oh, where did I put it again? Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> It's uh, 700 micrometers across, uh, sold by uh, the art collective MSCHF, which uh, is based in uh, based in Brooklyn. Do you live in Brooklyn, Josh? I can't remember. I do live in yeah. Brooklyn. This feels very Brooklyn. MSCHF, they also did those big red boots that you saw everywhere for about right. a week. <laughs> yeah. So they're really into either they have the worst taste of any collective of artists in the world or they just love pranking rich people and i hope it's the second one how do you know that when you buy a uh, a handbag this small that they even give it to you how about this how about this for 25,000 pounds i'll give you a handbag that's half as big what do you think about that just just give me the money just wire it to me put it in my venmo and then i'll just uh i'll make sure you get that handbag delivered i'll send it in a ups envelope that will seem empty but will contain twenty five thousand pounds worth of merchandise Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Bugle. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Um, if you're cricket fans, do listen to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast running daily on the morning of uh, each Test match day for the rest of the England v Australia series. Plenty of other shows in the Bugle stable as well, including the gargle with Alice Fraser. Um, anything to plug, Tom? Oh, gee whiz, yes. I'd love people to watch a TV show I'm in called Deadlock, which is on Prime Video, streaming worldwide. The final episode is out this week. Eight of eight, I play Sven, the terrible police officer. So it's not, it's not f***ed up that I'm a cop. I'm, I'm a f- cop, okay? I'm on the side of the, 
of the people. Please don't hate me. And yes, people in Montreal, I'm coming to do my show It Is I for two nights at the Just for Last Festival at the end of July. And I'm in Edinburgh for the Fringe at the Monkey Barrel for the whole bloody month. 6.10pm at the Monkey Barrel. It Is I. So many tickets available. It's actually <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> so please come along. And then you're in London in September. Oh, sorry, yes, yes, a few shows in uh, Soho Theatre too as well. I don't think they're on sale yet off the top of my head, which is also probably an issue that I should follow <laughs> up on. But um, I will definitely be doing it there. Don't you worry about that, London. Josh? Oh, I so I write a newsletter every week called That's Marvelous. It comes out on Mondays. You can get it at joshgondelman.substack.com. That keeps you abreast of all the other things I'm doing. I'm on a fairly extensive uh, American tour that is modestly sensibly routed. So I'm going through <laughs> next week, through uh san diego san jose los angeles uh sacramento not in that order arizona phoenix area the next week i'm going through dc soon almost that's the only one that's almost sold out this is not like when taylor swift goes on tour you go to Ticketmaster, you will have no frustration getting tickets to my shows you're not gonna have to wait for two hours that's another josh gondelman promise you click purchase you get those tickets too sweet <laughs> <laughs> um, so and a bunch of other stuff joshgondelman.com slash schedule and I'm, I'm all over the place for the next few months I'm very excited about it uh, you can hear me banging on about the cricket on Test Match Special for uh, much of the next few weeks and we will be announcing a couple of live bugle shows for later in the year as soon as they have been confirmed uh, in, in London thank you for listening buglers until next week goodbye Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.